0: We'd Like a Word
1: about getting your books on Radio 4 you're listening to We'd Like a Word with me Paul Waters and me Stephen Colgan and we have Tig whose real name is Alison Finch who is the book planning supremo of BBC Radio 4 or what? what's your official title?
0: My official title is Books Bitch
1: <laughs> oh,
2: well that is her official title so we uh-huh. have to let that run. I feel we should have a fanfare or something shouldn't we? <laughs>
0: The Radio 4 (laughs) books bitch.
1: Okay, Is that right? (laughs) Mm. I mean, you
0: you can also call me assistant producer planning.
1: Okay, fair enough. (laughs) That's a bit duller. A bit duller. (laughs) A bit duller. (laughs) Tell us about your job.
0: Well, I have possibly the best job in the world. Um, I get to uh, pull together a forward planning diary covering books, but I also do theatre and music for a number of Radio 4 programmes, which include Front Row, Open Book, Start the Week, Woman's Hour... Saturday Live, Loose Ends, Saturday Review. I also pitch things to Radio 3, to Free Thinking on Radio 3, some World Service programmes, and occasionally I get a guest onto Desert Island Discs, which is always a really big feather in my cap if I can do that. So I get to meet lots and lots of book publicists. I get to plough through all the catalogues. All the publishers produce catalogues twice a year, in the spring and in the autumn, looking ahead, And I go through them all and I pick out books that I think those programs will be interested in. So I don't put everything onto our diary. It's editorial. You know, I I check it out and think that would work on that program. That wouldn't work on that program. And then I put them all onto a database, which all these programs use to plan from. So basically, I get to read lots and lots of books very early. So currently, I'm reading for books that are being published in February, March, April. And I also get to go to the theatre quite a lot. I go to concerts quite a lot and um i get to tell people if they're good or not um my analogy i've used frequently before which is um you know um that film you know the film big Mm. you know when tom hanks is a grown-up and he's in his office and his little mate comes in to see him who's the 10 year old and he says to tom hanks what do you do all day and he says well i get to play with all this stuff and tell them if it's any good or not and his little mate looks at him and goes and they pay you for that?
2: It is the best job in the yeah, world. If you like books. Yeah. If you
0: like books, it's brilliant. Yeah, uh, for
2: a lot of people, it would be a living hell, wouldn't it? Let's yeah. be honest. But uh...
0: And, you know, you can get quite blasé about it. So, for example, I work from home on Mondays and Tuesdays. So when I come into the office on Wednesday morning, there's often four full postal sacks of books that Every I, have, day to, is that I books. have to open. And when I get work experience interns who come in to help for a week or two weeks, they're like hugely excited about opening all the books, whereas I'm less excited about opening all the books. i I'm, I'm become very short with publicists who send me books that are very difficult to open packages that are difficult to open oh, like
1: fancy gimmicky things
0: fancy gimmicky things and when you tear them open mm. and lots of glitter falls on the floor oh
1: no, no I mean
0: no. then you know any book that comes in a shiny pink cover that you know is not going to recycle because I've got quite on my high horse about that now good I say to publicists I want things in cardboard or paper envelope is fine
1: when did you last buy a book
0: quite recently I bought a recipe book for my niece for her birthday so I do buy books from time to time um, oh, and I also bought this. is very, I bought for my son, who's just going off to Cambridge to do a masters. I bought him a copy of a big essay on criticism by Roland Barthes. And I also bought. No, I bought another book just the other day. I bought a book called The Dark Gentleman, which I got from Abe Books, and it's a fantastic really 1920s novel about a group of dogs that live in Italy. Of course it is. <laughs> and my mum used to have a copy, and it, and I loved it as a child. I really loved it. And um, a friend of mine who's recently been widowed and has a dog, I just thought this book would be the perfect dog book for him. So I, I bought that. And that's out to print. I had to get that from
2: Abe. Well, Abe is very good for that sort yeah. of thing. Explain to people what is Abe. It's a website that basically has links to lots and lots of second-hand booksellers. So it's like an online catalogue of second-hand books. So you go on to abebooks.co.uk and you just look for the book and you can look for specific things like signed copies or first editions or hardcover, softcover, whatever. And if anyone has it in stock anywhere in a second-hand bookshop somewhere who's linked into the system... You can buy it from them. And it's
0: really good for finding out-of-print books. Oh, it That's is. It's brilliant I, for that. It's I, I use it that. a lot for, for out-of-print stuff. So I found quite a lot of books that meant a good deal to me. I'm very interested in... You know Rosemary Sutcliffe, the children's writer? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I collect her, her books. I loved her hugely when I was sort of seven, eight, nine, ten, 10. And I've got a shelf full, so I do tend to go and look at Abe. And if they've, if they've got copies nah. that are not ridiculous price, I'll pick them up. So yes, I do buy books from time to time, but on the whole, what I'm really good at is contemporary fiction that is yet to be published. <laughs> but it does it is, you know, it's very satisfying and I always feel like when they announce the book a short if I've got at least four out of those six authors onto one or other of my programmes, sometimes I get all That's six, but not always. But if I've got four at least on, I always think, Well, my instincts were fairly good. Mm. Because I often have to go in and nag people and say, I think we should do this book, by the way.
1: So should there be a a Finch list? <laughs> a Finch prize. Like the Golden Globes before the Oscars.
0: <laughs> Maybe there should. And I could pick out all the ones that I Particularly enjoy, yes, because actually there there were two books that were published this year that weren't on. Well, in fact, there were three that weren't on the, um, I don't think they were on the, certainly not on the short list. And definitely not, a couple not on the long list that I was really surprised didn't make it um, and, and a bit shocked and sad because it makes such a big difference. I was amazed that Edna O'Brien's novel didn't get onto the shortlist because that's an extraordinary piece of work. And this is a woman who's 89 mm. and she's absolutely knocking it out of the park at the moment. It's a bit like, you know, Philip Roth had this great purple period, you know, in, when he was in his sort of late 70s through to it, until he died. And Edna's just really writing out of her skin right now. Um, and it wasn't on the short list. wasn't real, sure. real shame. Real um, shame. Because, you know, I mean, there's partly that feeling of how long do we have
2: her for. Well, precisely, yeah. Um,
0: but, you know, the old ladies are having a good year this year. Margaret Atwood. Margaret Atwood, yeah. You know, and... and I was that,
2: quite surprised to see her on the booker list, if I'm honest.
0: I think it's because... The nature of the book is a bit like publishing a Harry Potter book. I mean, that book is on the bestsellers list as a hardback literary nonfiction. It is the top of the bestsellers list. It doesn't happen very often. And I think just from a a trade point of view, I mean, it was a clever piece of publishing. You Mm. you can't can't disagree with that. And I haven't read it yet because I didn't get an early copy because it was all under wraps. And because I'm reading so much stuff for next year, I'm going to wait. I'm going on holiday in a couple of weeks time and I'm going to take it with me and read it when I'm on when I've got, you know, time to read it. Do
2: you think you're able to spot the trends? yes of what's going to be popular because it's holy grail of all authors is is there a way like, uh, uh, can i get onto the wave of what's you know, going to be the next yes big thing? like
0: three years ago have i got a book with girl in the title oh yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> if we'd all spotted that one we'd have done all right wouldn't we
0: but i think i mean already it's looking to me next year there's lots and lots of feel-good fiction next year i oh, think I'm everyone's so pleased to hear that i think everyone's feeling quite miserable and there's lots of they're calling it uplit mm. um you know, and that, and there's you know there's the kind of male chaplet I call it, rather than chicklets. There's the chaplet, there's the, which is you know the sort of um, Richard Courtesy. There's lots of those kind of stories to slightly distract us. Because interestingly, in the non-fiction side next year, it's all climate change, uh, climate emergency, and um, yeah, and environmental which no stuff, surprise, which know. is no great surprise. But I think next year there's quite a lot of feel-goody stuff. Coming out,
2: I'm so pleased to hear
1: that. You
0: know, I mean, that's at least a, at least up until May.
1: Because
2: I, I write feel good. That's why I'm so pleased.
0: There's yeah.
1: hope yeah. for you. Yes, yeah. Yeah, hope for me. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, we had Helen on. Cullen. We had Helen Cullen. Didn't the Lost Letters of William Wolfe. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh, which she says isn't up late. And I can understand why she says that. It's good lit, yeah. But not necessarily uplifting. Still up-lit. felt good re- after, yeah. after reading it. You know, yeah. well, it had lists in it, and I love lists. Yeah, lists are always yeah. good. They were uplifting lists, lists always good. even if not everything else. In that's it was a guy
0: uplifting. thing. Reading books with lists in them. Oh, but it's poetry.
1: Lists mm, are poetry. Yeah,
2: yeah. But we like lists, and we yeah. like we like com- we're completists as well. aren't we? We've we got to have the whole set of everything. The whole set of everything. Yeah, that's that's, a very yeah. boy that's thing. also a guy thing, isn't it? I yeah. think it's a boy thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I think because well, my
0: son didn't read much fiction at all as a little boy he liked reading fact books with lists and he used mm. to look at the back of a book and see if there was an index and if there wasn't then he didn't want to read it but when he got to secondary school <laughs> lots That's... of them were reading um oh robert muckamore's books yes, and they yes, were they, yes. and they and they and so there was this whole thing i've read the fifth one or oh, have you you know sunsets read the fifth one i need to get on and read the sixth one so there was a sort of uh, box sticky train spotty quality to that kind of reading because
2: i remember when we were when we were when i was working on qi years ago in the museum of curiosity you know you were always looking at what books are coming up and seeing what fact books and, and we got into a discussion once about the guinness book of records and part of the conversation said we'd never met a girl who had a copy of the guinness book of records book for christmas
0: no it's always a guy thing <laughs> it's always a boy really?
2: yeah, yeah yeah i mean if anyone listening if we're wrong tell us we're wrong but that's what we found it seemed
1: to be yeah, a, mostly a guy thing. maybe that's because they're thinking i don't know what to Get him because he's yeah. not reading. So this is in the eye of the giver rather than the receiver. Yeah. I said, oh, yeah. boys are difficult. To- yeah. Would well, you know what mm. I was re- huge because I say it comes my, to my, books, maybe.
0: my son didn't read. My my daughter read loads and loads of fiction, and Theo just read uh, books of lists about football. And it was when he went to secondary school and it was the school librarian. Hooray hey. for the school librarian who she was, she looked like a school librarian. You know, she had grey hair in a bun. And this was, this was a secondary school in Oxford in special measures. It was quite a tough cohort. And she basically located the sort of five or six little boys who were quite interested in reading. And she gave Theo when he was 12 a copy of Vernon Godlittle. To read, and he came back and he went. Very good. This book is full of swearing, <laughs> and I ne- would never have dreamed of giving him that book. Mm. And he ate it in, you know, three days. He'd read that, and then mm. he went back and said, "What should I read now?" And it was, well, and I think great. it was partly because it was her, not me, saying, "Read the book, read the book." But she was transformational for a. a, a he came home from school. What, and, what was her name? Um, she was. Oh, what you miss. Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that, and I've.
1: And I bet oh. she looked just
2: like a Gary Larson cartoon. With she the, with did the, with the winged with glasses, with the winged glasses, the, the yeah, she really did. The-
0: and she organised <laughs> a group of boys from this from this failing secondary modern in, uh, or, you know, secondary school in Oxford. She organised four of them to uh, take part in the children's lit quiz i don't know if you've come across the lit quiz no it's not set up by this new zealander mm. but he um he came from new zealand where obviously everyone was sporty and everyone got awards for being sporty and he decided he wanted to set up an award for people who like reading so he set up this lit quiz in new zealand and it's actually quite a big thing it's an international quiz now and theo's team won the nationals and they got sent off to part, take part in the International Children's liquid wow. which in previous years had taken place in Johannesburg and in Wellington. And we're all thinking, well, that's great, except we'd have to pay for them to go. Mm. But the year our boys won, they, um, it was in Edinburgh. So they went oh. up to the Edinburgh Festival and they, they, so they were year eight. So they were 12, I think. So quite competitive little boys. And they had to do, and it was all buzzers and they had a classic fiction round and a non-fiction round and this sort of thing. They came third and the, the the moment that, you know, the sort of the day they came third was the day that the school went into special measures.
1: <laughs> um, so what was the name of the school? who was away
0: at uh, His school, Wheatley Park School in Oxford. Okay,
1: so Wheatley Park School, yep. the librarian there. Yeah. We celebrate you. We, we, salute, do, you. we, we salute you. We totally
0: salute you. And two of those boys went off to Oxbridge. One of those boys represented his Cambridge University and University Challenge two years <laughs> <Fantastic>. ago. <laughs> and, wow. and, and it was all down to her. And she was an inspiration.
1: Well, good for her.
0: So hooray. They are though, aren't they? I school librarian. My
2: school librarian was fantastic.
0: Me, mine too. Yeah. Really wonderful. And, and She used, was Mrs
1: Lomas, in case you Mrs Lomas. I don't think we <laughs> had one. Did you but we had public libraries. Yeah. Oh, we had public was, libraries yeah. too, but we had public a library. really good school library. Public yeah. library on the Lisbon Road in Belfast uh-huh. was fantastic. Yeah. Had a monkey puzzle tree outside, and then lots of lovely... Little, lovely, lovely books inside. Yeah. And a very friendly place.
0: No, it's amazing. I've talked to Damien Barb, the um, writer and oh, yeah, Damian, yeah and yeah. he's you know he's so passionate about the uh, the library at Motherwell where mm. he was because you know it was his refuge. You Absolutely. know, growing up as oh, a yeah, the gay boy, child, I don't know, gay yeah. boy in working class. You know, with your dad working at Ravenscraig and things. Mm-hmm. And he he definitely says it was his savings. Now his book is one that I really enjoyed this year, and I was disappointed What's that that called? wasn't. His book is called uh, "You Will Be Safe Here." And it's really interesting novel because it's not—it was a debut novel, but it's not autobiographical at all. It no, came out no. of—he um, was in South Africa uh, researching a news story about a boy who had been sent to a conversion camp and had been killed, and he—he uh, he wrote the story based on the boy, but he also goes back to the Boer War and looks at the, 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 the basically the violence that underpins the whole of South Africa mm. and how it started. Back then, with concentration camps and the British, but it's a really good novel. So it's two timelines and uh, really beautifully written. He's a great writer, and he is a great writer. I did a
2: salon in London with him a couple of years ago, and he's just—he's such a charming man as well. He's He's lovely, lovely lovely man. He is. He really
0: is. He's a you know really nice guy.
1: Alison Finch, A.K.A. Tig, is here. Who's the book planning supremo for BBC Radio Four? <laughs> right, so looking at the different programmes, you mentioned loads of them. I can't remember them all. Yeah. Front Row. Open Book. Open Book. Um, Saturday Live. Woman's Start Hour. the Week. Woman's Hour. Loose Ends. Loose Ends. Uh, Desert Island Discs. Radio S- 3. Free Thinking.
0: Saturday Review.
1: Saturday Review.
0: And some World Service programmes. Oh,
1: what World Service programmes?
0: Uh, Outlook.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: Cultural Frontline. Art That Made Me.
1: Art That Made Me. OK, so what goes where?
0: Well, uh, contemporary fiction tends to go to open book and front row. Woman's Hour always need to have their unique Woman's Hour angle on the thing. So it doesn't have to be a female writer. And because a writer is female doesn't necessarily mean Woman's Hour will want them. There's got to be some kind of angle, some sort of discussion. That I mean, obviously they want a great big interview with Margaret Atwood if they can get one. But there does have to be a uniquely kind of Woman's Hour angle on that start the week interested in kind of big ideas and they do a themed programme. So they might well do something, say, oh, we're going to do Borders this week. And they might have somebody who's written a big geopolitical book. And then they also might have a lovely poet who's written some interesting things. Oh,
1: Brian McGilloway. They should have him. <laughs> Anything to do with Borders, have yeah. Brian McGilloway. And then, yeah. uh, and
0: then at the same time, they might have somebody who's involved in an exhibition at the National Geographic, something like that. So they're thereafter, it's big ideas that they explore. Uh, Saturday Live want a first-person narrative. They want someone who's had an exciting thing. Thing, so they've uh, written a book, but thing.
1: we want to hear about their backstory. But we
0: want it, or their their book is about their backstory, yeah. and you might want to talk about you know somebody who was a uh, uh, you know who was a f- fire chief somewhere interesting, and they've got to be very lively for Saturday Live. The other key thing they have to be is they have to be available on a Saturday morning. Yeah, yeah.
2: I did Saturday Live once. Did you? I did Saturday Live. Yeah, when a book came, because um, I had, I, had, I suppose I had an <laughs> Except you got
1: two Live Live. I know. It was. It, oh. uh, I
2: suppose it might be unusual backstory in the fact that I'd been 30 years a police officer and then I moved from that into the strangest career move ever, into being one of the writers of QI. And uh, I was asked to go on Saturday Live, and I was on there with Richard Osman, and I was meant to be there talking about my new book. And it just turned into a sort of... Well, let's talk about policing, blah, blah, blah. Now, uh, what's it like working on QI? Oh, it's much better working on Pointless. Is it, it turns into a QI versus Pointless. Ooh, and so at Stephen the end of Hogan, it... So, QI versus Richard Olsman, so Pointless. So, now, there was
0: beef in the studio, was there?
2: Richard and I, we get on very well. He's a lovely man. And, uh, <laughs> He's but, got a novel out next year. He has, I know he has, <laughs> yeah. Well, he was going to do a cover quote from my last book, but he says, no, I'm not reading your crime book, because you know what you're talking about. <laughs> he said, I'll, I'll do it for the next one. But... Um, but yeah, it, we got to the end of the show and suddenly realised, hadn't mentioned my book at all. <laughs> the whole book, it's a yes. nightmare to get on that show yeah, and that we hadn't happen. mentioned my book at all. And it also,
0: was quite often, start the week, are less interested in the book. They're less interested in talking about they want to talk about the subject of the book, of but course, they're yeah. not going or the to idea say... Of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so you have to
1: make sure when you're introduced, you say, my name is author of author X. Author
0: of X.
2: Yeah. Well, Angela McMahon said this, didn't she? The, the publicist we had on uh, a previous oh, well, show. I Angela, yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was saying lovely. that if you want to... You know what she what she prays to get is someone who's got a fascinating backstory because that's what people are interested in, and the book is almost secondary. It's Mm. not, of course, it's not at all, but it is almost secondary to the fact that it's the human interest story. That's that's what they're after. Yeah,
0: and the BBC will always put you know the data on the website, Mm. so it will say you know X has written this book.
1: Um, What about um, some of the other ones you mentioned? Radial Three. What do they look for?
0: Free thinking. Again, it's very ideas based. But um, they're, I mean, to be honest, like, free thinking is a f- terrific listen. Thoroughly recommend it to mm. all the listeners. And it is a real. You don't know really what you're going to get every day because you could get a big discussion about the CIA, which could even be based on a film. And there's an actress in who's a very interesting speaker, and she can talk about the prep that she did. And they'll. Mm. Uh, it kind of. It really depends on who's presenting the program and they can look at very political things they can look at really cultural things it's quite highbrow but it's really a great it's a very listen good show. it's 45 minutes so they've got time it's got time to breathe in you know some of the half hour programs like open book and front row it's terrific they've got an author on but sometimes they get 6 minutes mm. on air whereas if somebody's a really good talker on free thinking they'll give them 20 25 minutes and and sometimes they'll do you know they can do they do these series of programs called landmarks and they'll take a single thing like um, Ulysses and they'll get somebody in who's, I don't know, a, a, you know, Joy, a Joyce biographer. And then they'll get somebody in who's a poet again, you know, and they'll just talk about it's got to obviously be a reasonable thing that, you know, can sustain that kind of conversation. But they've done fantastic things. They did Some Like It Hot as a landmark, which was just great. Forty five minutes. Thank Fort- you very yeah, much absolutely. of talking about Some Like It Hot mm-hmm. in depth you know it's fabulous mm. um, what
1: about, um outlook and the cultural frontline they're Out- both world service right presents.
0: yeah outlook is again it's very first person and it needs to have uh an international kind of uh remit so for example one of the recent authors i got on she's an indian journalist but her f- grandfather was from um kabul and she was stationed back in kabul and the book is about walks that she did around the city with her grandfather's diary Nice. Um, so it's that kind of first person thing and then cultural frontline they like young groovy artists who are who ideally are in country who are responding to something political happening in their country so it might be um, a ugandan gay rights activist who has uh, got a big exhibition on and um, perhaps in london and he can talk about his life in uganda but how how that's informing his art
1: so we're all in the studio together right now yes. talking face to face. Do you have to be... Does that matter whether you can actually turn up and be in the room?
0: Can make For programmes like Open Book and Front Row and certainly Women's Hour and Start the Week, yeah, it makes a big difference. If I've got a choice of four authors who are all available to do an interview and one of them's on a line from America chances are we're more likely to pick the one who can come into studio. Not always, but we're more likely to get mm. the person you can get in face-to-face. When
1: I mean, that makes sense in production terms. I suppose that could be a bit hard for people who aren't in London. Yeah. And the, the BBC is supposed to be for not, you know, everyone yeah. in the UK, not just people in London. Or the World Service, I guess. I mean, there might be really cool, interesting people who mm-hmm. aren't...
0: Oh, yes, and we will and do that. L- and, you know, London. I mean, um, you know, Front Row do quite a lot of stuff. I'm
1: thinking Shetland writers. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah but front row, <laughs> would do, Derry.
0: front row would definitely do a Shetland writer on a line, mm. but they'd probably want them live. You know, it would be a live line into the studio. About, about... 18 months, two years ago, Front Row did a lot of pre-recorded stuff and now they want it, they like people live. But it could be live on a line. Um, start the week, definitely you have to be in the studio because it's five people in the studio all having a chat. And Saturday Live, again, you have to be in the studio. But Open Book and Front Row are both happy to do pre-recs. Women's Hour will do. We'll have a discussion with someone on a line in Manchester, someone on a line in, you know, and, and for example, when the... Um, Abortion uh, rights. They uh,
1: repeal the aid. Oh, repeal the aid. Yeah, uh, yeah.
0: They went to Dublin and did the whole program from there. So often there'll be a good reason to go somewhere and do a whole program from oh, and somewhere.
1: You used. You said prerecorded once. So that's like a recorded. Yeah. Segment of yes, the program.
0: Yes, a re- recorded segment. So like we
1: do sometimes.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so um, that can sometimes allow you to fancy it up a bit with a bit of music or some at-
1: atmosphere or something like that. That can. We sometimes have music. We had the theme from the A team. Did you? Last time.
2: And we had you reading a poem about riots with the sound of a riot in the background.
1: Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, the AT music was being performed a cappella by the two of us and Angela McMahon. Excellent. Um, that's
0: what I like to hear.
1: I don't think we needed to have rights for that because it probably departed so not much. Not the way from we see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone's going, I, I think
0: don't. it sounded a bit like the yeah, AT, but that, I'm $6 not million sure. <laughs> was Man? <that>, was it <laughs> Woman? Well, One well, of what, those things. Well, what
1: about if two programmes want the same or more? Programs want the same.
0: One author. of my yeah. One of the key p- factors of my job is 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 dealing with what we call the clashes here. So on my forward planning diary, when I put a book onto the database, I will alert programs that this book is coming out. So um, with the Margaret Atwood, when when that was announced, I let Desert Island Discs, start the week, Front Row, Open Book, Woman's Hour, know that the book was coming
1: out. So you're already thinking, hmm. Mm-hmm these she's a good fit for these yeah. ones and i'm going to exclude these other ones yeah. i'm going to narrow it down a bit
0: well i'm just thinking um they
1: might still ask about it I yeah suppose. they
0: could and in fact i put uh saturday live have a segment of their program called inheritance tracks and quite a lot of big name authors who i think are unlikely to be around on a saturday morning very happy to let especially if they're women or people of color because these are all diverse voices that it's quite difficult to get onto the radio. I'll always let Saturday Live know and they'll quite often record an an Inheritance track segment with the author when they come in to do another interview. So what happens then is the programmes then come back and go, oh, yes, please, we want that person. And uh, so I can then go, we have a weekly meeting, editorial meeting on Wednesdays, when I go with my colleagues who cover film and visual arts and television and we sit down with the editors of all of these programmes and say, Margaret Atwood is available on these particular days because at, th- at this point, my it's part of my job is to find out what her availability is. When she here, you know, is she around on a Monday morning? Because if she's not around on a Monday morning, she can't do start of the week anyway. So no, that's so. discounted. Um, oh look, she's already done Desert Island Discs. She recorded it eight years ago, but we don't. We, they they very rarely. I think David Attenborough's done it a couple of times, but I think very few people have recorded it more than twice. So um, I will go to the editors and say she's available on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday this week. She could come to studio live on a Monday or she could come in on a Thursday morning to do Woman's Hour. And the editors then, it's much higher up the food chain than me, will have a discussion about where they want that author to appear. So
1: have a discussion Yes, is it a, Is it
2: a bear pit? <laughs>
0: it, it has been a bear pit in the past. We've got other collegi- weapons in the room. <laughs> yeah, we've got quite collegiate in it. I mean, something like the Margaret Atwood was was a tough call. I can imagine. But it was most of the time we like to say where things go. I always say to publicists, this is. The BBC editorially will make a decision about where your author mm. will go. And they say, well, doesn't the author have anything to say? Any, you know, they, they not have a dog in the fight. And we have to say, no, they don't. Uh, like they, they might
1: they, say, oh, I always love listening to yeah. such and such a programme.
0: So, for example, there is quite a big name um, female novelist who always wants to do front row and they always want to be interviewed by a particular front row presenter. Okay. And, um, and they quite often feature on short lists. And we had a big fight because... This, this author had done Front Row with this presenter three times. And Start the Week and Woman's Hour, both very keen to get this author on. So we went to the publicist and said, "It's not Front Row's not on the table. It's Start the Week or Woman's Hour. And they said, our author won't talk to those programmes. And we said, we won't talk to your author then. And that particular author did not get any Radio 4 for that particular book. Ooh. And I suspect her publicist was hauled over the coals over that.
1: Although it was the author to blame kind of thing. Yeah.
2: Expressing yeah. their preference,
0: but but yeah. yeah. it's the author exp- expressing their preference, and um, but in the end they didn't get radio four. And radio four sells books like almost nothing else, and it was a Mr. And interestingly, when this author had another book out, they came and did start the week.
2: How odd!
1: <laughs> <laughs> power. Oh, so this is your it's power. just
0: yeah. occasionally you can do that, but but also clever publicists will often say, "But my author is not available at this time," yeah. and at that point you have to either choke it down or or confront them and say we we that, can't what a shame what a we, shame yeah exactly what a shame we can't do that but, so so i so guess the it's right will,
1: that the, the bbc together decides what yeah. the bbc wants to do that's fair enough in accommodating the writer as far as possible yes obviously but what then within the bbc the different competing programs how is that resolved i genuinely don't know i no,
0: well mm. We have um editor who is overall editor. Do we say do we say names? Uh,
1: yeah, why not? Yeah. Well,
0: Eleanor Garland.
1: Okay, Eleanor Garland. What's her official title?
0: Uh, she's, I don't know, she's an editor. She's well, my
1: boss. So she she's is in my charge boss. of Saturday Live, uh, the Planning. media show... Uh, the planning department yeah. and some other, the Radio mm. for Appeal, I think. Yeah. And, and some other programmes. But she's not in charge of all the ones that you've no. listed. No. Uh, and in fact, some of them are, are yeah. in other networks. Yeah. So I suppose she could decide if it's programmes within her family.
0: No, but- she's the head of planning. So she's the one that oh. says, so she will say at the meeting, we have a thing called Last Ons. Where was this author Last On? Go and check the Last Ons. That can be quite a big deal. Because you can go back and say, well, they did Front Row in 2017 and they did Open Book in 2015, Never Done Woman's Hour. So at that point, we say, "Womans, ours should try and get them.
1: So if Makes agreement sense. cannot be reached or consensus cannot be reached, she is the ultimate yeah. decider. Yeah. A lovely woman with a core of steel. Yep, absolutely. And but you um, need it.
0: Yeah, no, she does. And then sometimes if the conflict is... We very rarely... When we set up the planning unit, which was about 10 years ago, things used to get kicked upstairs higher than the editors a lot. And the people... Who were really high up there came down and said, basically, sort it out. We are not interested. We have more things to worry about than whether Margaret Atwood should appear on this show or that show. Uh, Do your jobs. Yeah. So, most of the time, we'll say things like, well, it's a shame, and front row can have first dibs on the next lovely big writer that will come along. Mm. With things like books, I mean, open books plea all the time is, we only do books. That's all we do. We have four programs a month, so we need four good interviews. We need four reasons for our presenter to rock up. We need four reasons for our audience to listen in, and it's pretty key that we get some big names. And so that is their ace in the hole. Which yeah, Woman- makes sense, <laughs> which does make sense, you know. And and um and Woman's Hour would say. This is a really key title. Um, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's absolutely about, it's about chosen childlessness. This is a big subject that we want to talk about. She's written a novel about it. She's a really huge writer and we want to get her on. So they can make that argument. Front Row will say with the programme that the audience are coming to hear the key cultural news for the, you know, for the week and she should come here. And start the week, you know, they say we have the biggest audience. We are the calling card for Radio 4 we kick the thing off on Monday morning. This is where people are going to come and we should have the big names
2: here. And the publicists will know which shows they want their people yep. on as well, won't they? Of so, course. Yeah, that's a... so,
0: so it's a bit like, have you read His Dark Materials? Yes. Yeah. Okay, you know that Alethiometer that Lyra has <laughs> yes, yeah. and that it's all these dials and there are things and it can be influenced by what somebody had to eat or somebody standing quite close to it and mm. somebody standing far away and I have to do this thing with the alethiometer and I've got the publicist and I've got the programs and I've got I really the...
1: hope you have one. <laughs> A physical... <one>. A <laughs> yeah. The <finchometer>. oh. A yeah, <laughs> like yeah, And absolutely. I do
0: feel that sometimes that it is really like that and you're just going, OK, well, it feels like they ought to go here if we can make it happen and if we that that would be so cool. And if we can't oh, maybe next time we can, you know, so so there's a certain amount of um black magic involved. I
1: can imagine, yeah.
0: You know bribery? No, I'm pretty good. <laughs> I'm I'm pretty good about that. You can bribe me with a really good book. That one of the books that I was
1: I, I was thinking the program's bribing you. Ah <laughs> uh,
0: well, one of the books I was really desperate to get on somewhere, because I think it's one of the best books I've read this year, An extraordinary book, is called To Calais in Ordinary Time by James Meek. Scottish novelist, and uh, he wrote The People's Republic of Love about eight years ago that got Booker shortlisted.
2: Yeah, that about
0: And uh, this book is set in England in 1278, and it's about a group of archers who are heading towards Calais. They're joined by a cleric, a teenage girl who's running away from an arranged marriage because she's hey. in love with the squire. And this incredibly beautiful... Boy that they've picked up from one of the villages. He's a young man and they want him to be an archer and they're taking him with him as they're moving across Wiltshire towards Calais. The Black Death has jumped over the channel and is coming this way towards them. And it's written in a kind of medieval English, in a kind of early English. Oh, a bit like Chaucer did
2: with the Wake yeah, a few years ago, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah.
0: And it's it's. Once you get your eye in, because you know people said with the Hilary Mantel, oh yeah. Well, this one you've really because he doesn't give you any, There's no glossary or anything like that. No, you no. dive straight in, and it's the most fantastic novel because it's like a a road movie and um and, and a and a buddy movie. He's got two trans characters in it. He's got this teenage girl who's because she's full of evil humor. She's constantly letting blood, mm-hmm. so she's cutting herself. So you've got th- all
1: got the these contemporary thing things. As well, yeah. All these
0: contemporary things going on. It would make a wonderful television series, six parter. And I did eventually manage to get him onto Open Book uh, they, because somebody else had written a book about the Black Death. He's using his, he says it's an analogy for climate change because mm. it's something we
1: all know. Inexorable, coming This is coming mm. and
0: we're going to have to find a way of managing it. But it is it is a superb book and it was published in a very busy time in September. It's another thing you notice very when busy, you work yeah. in books is there are particular times of the year and it was 5th and a 5th of September and a publication. a weird
2: kind of time of year to publishers well for know. a novel because i mean it's not a christmas book is it really? no but
0: early september is when all the big novels come early yeah, yeah. october is when the non-fiction comes but it's a cracking read and i thoroughly recommend it uh to i mean it's got a bit of there's some crime so
1: remind us of the author and the, the title
0: the, the book is called to calais in ordinary time and the author is james meek
1: okay oh. there's a recommendation that's on the reading list yeah. for listeners. we had angela mcmahon on mm-hmm. she was saying the best places to plug a book are BBC Breakfast Television, yeah, number one. And the best interviewer to elicit interesting things about a book was Simon Mayo, yeah, yeah. who's also a writer. Which of the programmes here do you think, I know they're all different and they all have mm-hmm. their virtues and different writers would work differently on different ones. What would be the best, I suppose, the most coveted spot to get your book on there? You'd shift most copies.
0: Well, Woman's Hour has a very big audience. So depending on your novel, I mean that's a good way to go. It's so difficult to tell because front row, you've got people who are tuning in because they want to end open book. You've got people who are listening; they're very likely to go out and, and the buy stuff. People. They'll
1: take a little bookend doll. They're booky people, Aha.
0: and also you know, I mean, Radio Four audience—they like product because it's not just books. I, uh, you know, I'm friends with quite a lot of music PRs because we mm. do a lot of music stuff, and you know, they will say. Our band was on front row. And by the time we left the studio, it was already 300 steps up on the Amazon chart. It makes a big difference. So getting anywhere on Radio 4, um, you know, it does help sell books. So that's kind of difficult to know whether...
1: I mean, they're all good.
0: They're all good spots to to go on. I think one of the things I'm I'm always very proud of is that the Radio 4 presenters all read. You know, then you'll never get a Radio 4 presenter who has
1: not done the homework. There was some report, wasn't there, recently and I'm sure it's completely false, no basis whatsoever, saying that presenters have no time to read these days. That's other people's jobs.
0: There are one or two quite, quite lazy, quite lazy um, presenters, but on the whole, I remember um, a long time ago, when Mark Lawson was presenting on front row, and we managed also to a writer. Um, we managed to get um, a very um, precious interview with John Le Carre, and it was going to be a half hour. Mm. and Mark just basically said, "I am not reading anything else for the next two weeks because I'm doing the whole back catalog." Wow before I go to talk to him. And when he came, you know, when he came back, Le Carre did say, that is the best interview I have ever had.
1: That's not very long to read, all of his, two weeks? That's a lot of books. That's a lot of yeah, books. A lot of books in a short time. Well,
0: Mark always said he re- would read at least 1,000 pages a week of anything so you know that was so it's tricky if you go this is the other thing is you know i've just recently been sent a debut novel which is 900 pages long Wow! and again no one's going to read it no one is going to read it because that is all your week's reading as a presenter and that's one interview
1: Mm. okay so i've got a book here nothing to do with me nothing to do with either of us so it's called stories for south asian supergirls by raj kaur kaira and it's the subtitle is A Treasure Trove of Fifty Illustrated Biographies of Amazing South Asian Women. And it's published by Kashi House. And it's got um, so, got kind of portraits on, yeah. on the right hand yeah. page. And it's got um, a little potted biography. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's historical figures like Nora Jones, contemporary Mm -hmm. singer, Meera Nair, um, or there's a rebel queen from uh, the 1800s, or there's a tech guru, Arundhati Roy is in it. Anyway, loads of kind of South Asian women role models. Mm -hmm. And it's a really nice object. So I will hand this to you. And, you know, say you were wanting to place that on a programme, what would be the right place for that? What's, What's the process?
0: Well, I would say this is obviously for Woman's Hour because okay, it's I would,
1: uplifting for girls yeah and but i sort of would thing. also say it's
0: tricky because it's ya
1: mm, young adult
0: yeah or ch- or children tricky for us the radio for audience not especially interested obviously we're quite keen to drive down towards getting younger, younger people listening yeah. which is a very big deal um but this would be really interesting you could have a really interesting discussion on woman's hour
1: okay, about we'll who
0: why did you choose these people
1: yeah, um you and know they, the author is interesting herself. I think. Yeah, she does various other things. Well, okay, say it didn't go on Women's Hour mm. for whatever reason. Yeah, it, I it see it would be a good fit there, but say it was going to go somewhere else. What would you say to people to say you know, this might work for you?
0: I would say this would work for women's Hour. <laughs> <Yeah>, okay, <laughs> <laughs> that was what I would say. So so I can't tell you frontline, maybe. You know, no, not cultural, because it's not because they're not going to talk to her. She's not an artist. You know, she's 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 anthologising these people's lives. Mm-hmm. Actually, Is she based in the UK? Do we know?
1: Uh, I think so. She also set up uh, for women the Pink Ladoo project about equal oh, treatment done... of newborn girls in South Asian families. They've
0: done yeah. uh, Pink Ladoo. They've covered on Women's Hour already,
2: so... So do you would you farm stuff out to say more specialist channels? Six Music? Well, Six Music or No,
0: they don't have no. they don't have access to
2: to you.
1: Oh, so it is just Radio me. 4 and Radio 3 and Radio way. 3 and World Service. Well, world Service of course, yeah. but that's yeah. might be something yeah. on the World Service yeah. there, I suppose. But, but Five yeah. Live, they go their own way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. They you know, and they plan differently to radio us. Radio 2? No, we don't have we don't It's
2: quite compartmentalized, The isn't it?
0: Um, mm. a lot of people would like it. A lot of people would like that planning base. We're constantly in a battle to try and... Because it's very, very specific to the programmes that we work on.
1: And also they pay for you, I guess.
0: They they pay for three people. So it's it's quite a lot of money. So if Radio 2
1: wants you, they're going to have to chip in. We want some dollar.
0: Show us your green. Maybe (laughs) then we'll think about it.
1: Okay, I've got another pitch for you then. Yes, okay. Um, I don't have it in my hand. Okay. So it's uh, it's called the Diabolical Club. <laughs> oh, that sounds
2: that sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> right, he wrote it. Yeah.
1: But um, well, why don't you just give her the, like this pitch,
2: the summary? Well, I tell you what, I, I love comedy, mm-hmm. and it really bugs me at the moment that people aren't writing comedy novels. Mm-hmm. Um, because we did have like the world, we've got a great
0: tradition of comic, huge novels, tradition of comedy
2: yeah. novels, and it seems that you know with the death of Terry Pratchett and mm-hmm. Douglas Adams mm-hmm. and Tom Sharp and and all these others, you know, Sue Townsend. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that the the publishing industry has sort of gone a little bit. And I, don't be wrong. I know comedy is a difficult sell because comedy, like art, is very personal. But it's really tricky. So it's I've a thought, great shame. Because I'm not having this. Yeah. <laughs> so well, but anyway, onto your book, the diabolical yeah, so Club. So I've written two comedy novels. Uh, the first one was a comedy Who Done It. The second one's a kind of Who Done It, but it's a comedy. Um, and the Diabolical Club is about two murders eighty years apart. Um, it's about uh, a wood where strange things are going on, uh, sightings of a mythical beast. Also, it's being used as a dogging (laughs) hotspot. There's a a philandering MP who seems to be implicated in one of the murderers, but he didn't actually do it. But above all, it's a comedy. Mm. There's laughs all the way through. Mm -hmm. And my agent, bless him, sent it out to every publisher he could think of. And And they all came back saying exactly the same thing. This is really well written. This is really funny. This is the funniest thing I've read in ages. Don't know where to place it in the market. So I eventually had to do it through Unbound. Yeah. I, I, I crowdfunded, yeah. effectively, and, and it went out. And again, the reviews have been great. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's but being how? published by
1: Unbound. Yeah. So if a book fitting that description arrived, so a comic kind of farce, mm-hmm. murder mystery mm-hmm. novel, mm-hmm. which is, I've read it, it is good, you think, well, interesting backstory, mm-hmm. QI, Metropolitan Police, got up to mischief with Freddie Mercury and various Shh. people. Um Okay, probably not for terrible. Women's Hour. You can yeah. maybe, you know, wipe out Women's Hour.
0: And you've already done Saturday Live talking about your backstory. We just talked about it a little bit, yeah. Mm.
1: um and that no, see,
0: I would, pitch that, I would pitch that potentially to Open Book to do something on why, why are people are not writing. Or here is mm. a comic, comic novel. Whatever happened to comic novels. Yeah, I mean, you know, know. Howard Jacobson writes one from time to time and they are, can be genuinely very funny. But, um, you know, they never get onto short no, do they? No, they don't, they don't um, and it's a great shame because um this is the sort of thing people like reading.
2: Well a couple of years ago, of course, the Woodhouse Prize wasn't even awarded. Yeah. Because that's they true, couldn't yeah. find a book funny because enough. Because
0: they couldn't find one, yeah. Which is just staggering. Yeah. And I mean, well done to Hay for starting the Woodhouse Prize. Absolutely. You yeah, know, yeah. that's hurrah because And you it was know. nice
2: that it came back again with Nina Stibb last year, but yeah. Uh, but, you know, there are still people out there who are, who are still sort of holding up the flag for comedy. But the, it, it's really, really hard to get comedy. I think people want to laugh. That's the thing. I, I did a th- There's a thing called the Pigeonhole. You come across the Pigeonhole? No. It's like an online reading club. Mm-hmm. And they, they agree or they don't agree to mm-hmm. take your book on. And then what they do is they publish it in installments and the readers can actually comment live That's as they're reading it. Yeah, yeah fascinating yeah. and i deliberately stayed back when the when the diabolical club went on there i stayed back and didn't comment because i didn't want them to know i was watching because i wanted them to be honest with their mm. comments because i thought it might change the way they react if they see i'm there and what i kept seeing all the time is oh, it's the funniest thing i've read in ages why aren't there more books like this mm. i thought well if the readers think this yeah why aren't the publishers and they thinking are this way right the
0: place. i'm just desperately trying to remember the name of a book that was published by blue moose books earlier this year that was absolutely hilarious and it was one of those books that i was snorting with laughter on the...
2: I mean, there have been a couple of, uh, you know, really very big-selling comedy yeah. novels in the last few years. Obviously, Helen Fielding's last one. Yeah. Uh, and, um, oh, what's his name? The guy who wrote The 100-Year-Old Man Who Climbed Out the Window and Disappeared. Oh, um... You know yes, I, mean. I do. Yeah, um, I mean that that was a huge seller. Yeah, and it's yeah. now being turned into a film with yeah. Will Ferrell. So,
0: and there's um, there's a, a Asian writer in London who writes comedy crime novels. Who I can't remember the name of. I'm just so really sorry. I should, I should no, no, have no, come on, no, 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 or something. Um, and he's got this guy. His, his his protagonist is just this hopeless loser who just finds himself in terrible situations that he has to try and kind of bumble his way out of. And he's very funny. But yeah, there is not. But shouldn't a lot we all know about this? Yeah, absolutely. This
2: should we all know yeah. who the author's name is? I know. Yeah. A-
0: and there should be a more high profile. I mean, you know, all of the books on, on the book, you know, all the book on the sort of literary prize list are always quite grim. They are, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, actually, to Paris in Ordinary Time as well as being quite grim, has got some really hilariously funny bits in it, well, oh, thank it. which is, which that's is, great. you know, which is great. And, and you know, you kind of you, you, and because it's written in Middle English, you suddenly you go, oh, that's so funny. Um, well, what would
1: you like to see more of? Well, I would opening like to, up your big, big sack.
0: I would like to see more. Well, what would I like to see more of? I'd like to see fewer books altogether. Actually, I'm not going to lie. People say to me, "Well, you should write a book," and I go, "No, I shouldn't." Um, there's plenty of books out there. I am not about to add to the sum total of human misery by inflicting another book. Well, okay. At then. least we're
2: not Iceland. Well, I reckon one in ten of the population
1: thinks they write a book. Yeah. So
0: I think there should be fewer better books.
1: Okay. That and would do. So if someone was sending something to you no glitter don't wrap it up yeah just paper or yeah. cardboard anything else any other advice like maybe the information they send with it or, or something yeah like it's that.
0: a night have a nice clear I mean I get sent a lot of they're called AIs which is but an AI for a book is like a, a piece of A4 and it's got some details about the author and hopefully a thumbnail about the book which can give you a bit of an idea of what it's like mm-hmm. and it'll tell you oh it's been published on such and such a date and in these various all the basic information basic information that's very handy thing to have. Um, I read the first 30 pages of lots and lots of books. So if you ask any of me a book, write really good first 30 pages would be a big recommend. I always think opening first sentence. You know, it's got to be something that you'll go, well, that's quite intriguing. I'd like to read a bit more about that. Mm. I like reading books about things I, I don't know an awful lot about. So I've been enjoying the um, Abir...
1: Mukherjee. Mukherjee. Abir Mukherjee. Love his book. So his first one, I think, was A Rising Man. Yeah. It's, got f- it's
0: the fifth one coming now, I think.
1: Really? got well, he said there are at least three anyway. Yeah. And it's a, a British police officer, Captain Wyndham. Who is white. Who's white English. And he's in Calcutta. And his assistant is a guy, Nath something like yeah. but they call him surrender not
0: surrender not yeah and that's his surrender not he's yeah. called surrender not so, yeah
1: so that's his assistant and they're in calcutta in the 19- 1920s 20, something like
0: and that, yeah. um sam has a opium habit yeah, he has an opium right. habit they're
1: really very good
0: and i really like those books because they were telling me uh something about somewhere i really didn't have very much knowledge of and I really enjoyed those. I like a novel where I learn things, so I quite like a Michael Frayne novel, not going oh, to lie. I Michael Frayne. You know, he's a good comic um, writer, isn't, he, isn't he? That last one about the island was yes, tremendously yes, funny. Yeah, that's right. It was very funny. Yeah.
2: It, was, it was a standard farce, wasn't yeah. it, with people being mistaken yeah, for other people? Absolutely.
0: And, and actually, having know, said that, Edward, Edward St. Aubin, who obviously wrote all those Melrose mm. books, Tremendously Miserable, but that book he wrote about the uh, literary prize was hilarious. Yes, yes. Absolutely hilarious. So I like I like a book where I can... Find out things. I think that's one of the reasons I like the James Meek so much was I felt it, I was learning a lot of historical stuff so this whilst is, reading a cracking novel.
1: So you're you're the first gatekeeper because uh, mm. something might come in you think, actually, this doesn't fit anywhere. Mm. I, I'm just going to discard it. Yes, plenty of that. Because, and then a manageable amount will go through. Yeah. Uh, what about books that come from are, uh, I, I suppose, not main publishers. Oh, I I I'm could, really
0: interested in those. I'm well, really interested in little publishing houses. I feel that... That's I, really good to hear. I can, you know, I'm I'm very pleased that we've been covered. So uh, Blue Moose Books, who are based up in the north of England, can't remember where exactly. I think it might be Whitby. I think he's based in Whitby. And um, they they are doing a lot of really interesting fiction out there. Oh, and no
1: alibis press. Keep an eye out for them. They're a new imprint in Belfast. yep.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: And but um, what, but well, okay, I, I What I about then ones that are uh, self published?
0: Don't tend to do much self publishing. Do they even come to you? I'll sometimes get an envelope with a handwritten note, mm. and I tend to go, mm. "That's not."
1: That
2: must be quite difficult. Because I mean, we we were talking about this on a, I think the last show, weren't we, about how many books are going on to Amazon now using the. Uh, so publishing again, and it's it's one book every one point eight seconds yeah. I mean, being this, added to the pile. Obviously, can't yeah. cope with that. You can't even look no, at that. Can well, you?
1: What, what about digital books? I mean, do you only deal in physical objects? Physical books?
0: object books—they tend to have to have a physical objectivity about them. And
1: they can be paperback or hardback. Yes, yeah, absolutely.
0: Not... I mean, we tend to prefer doing if we're doing a book, we tend to do it on first publication. But it could be a paperback original. We've got absolutely mm. no problems with that. We're just unlikely to pick it up second time round. Sure. Um, unless there's a very good reason for it, you know, it was a huge bestseller in America, but they were in America for the hardback, and they're coming to the UK for the paperback. Yeah, it makes sense. You know, yeah. you'll grab them then. But I always, i always like to get smaller presses on. the air you know, I mean that's kind of that's a big motivator for me. And one of the things you can do, say something like on Open Book, is you could say, oh look, here are three novels that are all dealing with same sort of subject, and one is from penguin mm-hmm. and then the other two are from you know one's from serpent's tail and one's from jacaranda yeah. so let's get all three of them on to talk about why they've written exactly
2: yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. so that's a way that you can get quite a lot of books all rounded up you yes, know player. at the same time and we keep an eye on things like independent um the independent publishers association prizes we keep an eye on those sorts of things so we're quite proactive about covering small presses
2: that's really good news because the two things that seem to be on the increase at the moment is is small small bespoke breweries and indie yeah. presses yeah. there seems to be a lot yeah. going along you know and a-
0: i met a really interesting young publicist last week called jordan from liverpool and he was very interesting because he tried to get a job in pub in publicity and he couldn't get one so he set up as he made his own job he did he made his own job and he represents five or six small presses in the north of england and that you know he he was also really smart because he didn't come and say here are all my books he said here are three books that i think you might be really interested in he also had obviously listened to all the programs so he wasn't saying i think this book about you know a footballer you know would be great on woman's hour he Mm. he, this was a man who'd listened to a lot of unless he was a
1: woman footballer
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, definitely but he pitched three books which all look great all look like there's lots and lots to talk about interesting working class writers Mm. from very diverse backgrounds very different voices for radio 4 and i reckon my programs will snap them up
2: smart lad lad. yeah (laughs) really smart
0: boy really you know and it was a it was a real pleasure to meet him because he was very passionate about books, which was because sometimes, you know, if you're working in a big publishing house and you're on a treadmill, yeah, it's whereas, a sausage factory, isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah. Whereas for him, he was, and you know, and he contacted me, we, he emailed me after we'd met, and he said, Oh, um, I've subsequently met this author that I thought would be good. And you know, on top of everything else, she's really funny. Mm. And you just think, Well, that's a gift because we're in the business of making great radio, we're not in the business of selling books. If we do that, so be it. But what we want to do is make radio programs that people want to tune exactly, in and yeah, listen yeah. to. And people want to listen to funny people. People want to listen to intelligent people. you know, And people want to listen to people that sound like them. So if you can find those people, and that's partly what I guess I do, mm-hmm. is look for those voices – um, one of the things I do as well on top of my regular job is I programme a lot of proms talks and I get the opportunity to uh, look at a, c- a concert that's happening and go, oh, look, it's a concert about Nina Simone and try and find, oh, here's a really interesting young black London poet who's really, who, all of her poems are about Nina Simone, get her on air. And I was very pleased this year with the proms talks that I basically almost everyone I booked was either female or a person of colour on Radio 3 to talk about a subject they were passionate about for forty minutes. That's great! Hooray! Um, and I, so I do. That's one of the things I'm very keen to try and. I need to get more um, people with disabilities. That's my. That's my next project is to try and find you know writers who would like to come or who who are informed by that. And actually, dialogue books have got some quite interesting writers mm. who are...
2: And this is visible as well as invisible. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, because there's absolutely. a lot of people writing about uh, depression at the moment. Yeah. There's a lot of people writing about autism at
1: the mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, yes, yeah. that's
0: neurodiverse. Yeah. Absolutely. Neurodiverse writers. Neurodiversity is, the, yeah, absolutely <laughs> It's right. a, quite a big deal, but mm. yeah.
1: What was the name of that guy? Just for tweeting purposes.
0: Oh, he's called Jordan. Jordan. but I can't oh, sorry, remember Jordan. what his.
1: i put in Jordan up north. Yeah, I, on, Jordan
0: on up Google. north. But I no, can, I'll you know, it. and I can okay. send you. I can send you the details <laughs> of fine, him fine. because um, I think he was, yeah, he was really okay, good. Grind. And grind. the other thing is that as well that he got a lot of really nice tattoos. I've got some good tattoos. Have you? So we shared some ink stories, and he sent me some stuff about a guy called Sam Stewart, who was an American writer who started off writing lots of gay porn and then became a tattoo artist. Um okay. and he has the Um, And um, somebody has written a biography of his, which uh, was shortlisted for the American National Book Award last year. And so Jordan said, I'll send you a copy of the book. So I'm really looking forward to reading that. So have you
1: got Uh, any tattoos, Paul? I'm not telling. (laughs) Hey, I've only got the one, but it's rather dull.
2: Uh, What is it? It's just a Cornish flag (laughs) on my arm. A bit bit nationalistic, but, you know, Uh,
1: that's actually very nice. Isn't it beautiful? It's lovely. So go on, give us a description.
0: Uh, It's three dog roses... And their foliage, and it's got two bees two on bees, it, because yeah. I'm a beekeeper. Mm-hmm.
2: So, um, You're getting an apiarist. insight
1: into the book planning screen. <laughs> we <have> an apiarist,
2: <laughs> not somebody who keeps apes. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> Do you remember what the brain teaser was for last time? It was, what's the name of Rebus's dog? And the name of Rebus's dog, it's... it was Brillo. It was Brillo. Brillo. It was Brillo. I think we actually covered that. I think there might be another one since. you reckon? Do you remember the one in the kidnapped one? <laughs> What, by John one. No, 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 there was one where the answer was it was a Warren Zevin song. What was that one? um, uh, Kidnapping. Yes, I remember what it was. Okay. (sighs) Got there. Um, Previous show's brain teaser... It was kidnap related because we had uh, Matt Weselowski and Adrian McKinty, and they both had kidnapped. <gasps> we did kidnap related. Yeah, I tell well, you, we have we all the big role. names. We get them yeah, <laughs> all. It was a kidnap related question because his book, The Chain, and Matt's The Changeling, they both involved kidnapping, and uh, both very, very good, highly recommended. And so there was a song, a Warren Zevon song, kidnapping related, and who was the person? Who was the celeb? And I can tell you, the song was Roland. And the headless Thompson Gunner and it was Patty <laughs> Hurst
0: of course oh, right. all okay. Hurst.
1: I will quote you some lyrics from the end of that song Patty Hurst heard the burst of Roland's Thompson gun and bought it because she was kidnapped joined the Symbionese Liberation Army I remember. and all that sort of thing you can you can look it up if you want to know more and uh, what about this week you see we ask our ooh. guests to help us with a brain ooh, taser ooh.
2: I'll let you think about that in a minute because another one we haven't answered yet oh didn't Helen Cullen asked us what was Mr. Darcy's first name. Did she we ever did. do the answer to that one?
0: Fitz-William.
2: It is Fitzwilliam. Yeah.
0: But
1: very good. It's have Fitz- we William. ever
2: revealed that on we air yet? No, <laughs> we have now. <laughs> well well, thankfully we've, we've got an expert sitting next to us who knew the answer. So there so, you are. If you were wondering what Mr. Darcy's first name was from Pride and Prejudice, it was Fitzwilliam. And Darcy. some people
1: did get that. And oh they did. Right. That's really yeah. good. She's really well, good. T- while you're thinking of a brain teaser oh for this God. week. Okay. I'm going to... No
0: pressure. So
1: Jason Grubbs has been in touch from Michigan in the United States and uh, recommending that we might want to get on um, Jessie Burton. She has a new book, The Confession, and he's ordered it already from Goldsboro Books. Mm -hmm. Have you read that one yet? Yes. And? It's good. Good. Okay. Uh, So she's written children's books as well, and she wrote The Miniaturist. Mm -hmm. Uh, Which is very good. Uh, And a terrific
0: television programme.
1: He talks about his own favourite so far this year, The Lost Man by Jane Harper, and also enjoying Inland by Tia Obrecht. And Anthony Quinn, William Ryan, Owen McNamee, he's going to be looking at. And uh, I think his next book is going to be *The Ten- This Tenderland by William Kent Kruger. And kind of most importantly, he says, I think he's now ordered nine books, nine books purchased as a result of listening to We'd Like a Word. That's very good. So that's good. I think he's in the lead. Various people buy books yeah. based on yeah, what got they're people tell us I bought two Lots or three. of those that he
0: mentioned are not available here. I haven't heard of the, that last guy you were saying.
1: Okay, uh, William Kent Kruger. Yeah, I do This Tenderland. Mm. So, yeah, he's in the United States. Yeah. So, uh, we have an international audience. Yes,
0: that's very good.
1: So, we have a brain teaser too mm. each week. You We, know, didn't we warn ask me. the listeners, you're yes. right, we didn't warn you. It's <laughs> terrible. We're not terribly well organised. Hadn't even given you a biscuit either yet. No.
2: What? Well, there's biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's always biscuits. biscuits. There's always
1: biscuits. There's always biscuits. There's always biscuits.
0: Okay, which author has completed a seasonal quartet of novels this year?
1: So, a number—the author has written a number of books. A Quartet, the, a quartet. So, in the that fourth, fourth one, ball. okay, <laughs> but the fourth one was this year. They weren't all written this year. Right? No, nope, this year. The so, the fourth f- one was I like
0: finally in the UK this year. In, this year. in the UK this year.
2: That's a good question. Well, if you think you know the answer, do get in contact. Our email is we'd like a word at gmail.com. And, of course, that's spelt wed like a word because we can't use
1: apostrophes in any sort of uh, electronic mail or whatever. You can contact us on Twitter and follow us on Twitter, not to give the answer, of course. That's wed like a word on Twitter and on Facebook.
2: We really didn't think this through, did we? We should have called ourselves (laughs) we would like a word. Then we wouldn't have had a problem. Oh, right, longer no, name. I, but I, I, I like.
1: We'd like a word yeah, better. Okay, fair enough. Okay, final question yep. to you, Alison. What is your book recommendation to our listeners?
0: Uh, one of the books I have not discussed yet. I would say, and it might win the book next year, next week, is uh, "Girl, Woman, Other" by Bernadine Evaristo.
2: And it's got a "girl" in the title. Yeah, bam to be a good thriller. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm sure it is. And
0: actually, it's got some really, it's got some brilliantly funny bits in it too. Oh, well, that's so it good really to hear! It really has got some really
2: funny bits. So good to hear. Yeah, I'm on a campaign. I say.
0: Yeah. So uh...
1: yeah. Well, thank you very much indeed. Thank
0: you very much indeed. That was fun. Take Alison
1: much. Finch, Radio 4's BBC Book Supremo, also known as. The
0: book's bitch. Hey.
1: <laughs> You've been listening to Weed Like a Word with Stephen Colgan and me, Paul Waters. Until next time, bye-bye. Bye.